Welcome to Wednesday's programme. It is the 28th of July 2021. It's the BBG, live in Salford, stormy Salford again today. It's your call this evening for the third Wednesday in a row. How about that? I promised more phone-ins and I'm a man of my word. Welcome to your Richie Allen Show. It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. If you'd like to talk to me from around about 5.35pm this evening, you need only Skype Chat with Richie. All one word, the Skype handle is Chat with Richie. If you can't do that and you'd like to phone, inside the UK it is 0161818 0161818 Outside the UK, plus 44161818 and if you didn't jot that down, all of that information is on my website, richieallen.co.uk. Did you hear me? richieallen.co.uk. I published a little thing, I posted a little thing about the phone-in. You'll get all the details there. So I look forward to chatting with you this fine Wednesday evening in the year of our Lord, 2021 Bente Bente Uno. All right then, good, nice to be with you, to be with you, nice, I've had a nice day running around, a bit frantic today, but there you go, we have days like that when you've got lots of things to do, I had to take the car to be valeted and to be washed, and I was astonished that the gentlemen whom, who always cleaned the car for me, lovely lads, they've managed to go through the scamdemic. From March 2020 until, well, the last time I saw them was last month. They managed to do it without wearing masks, without distancing. I don't know what's happened, but when I arrived there today, they were all wearing masks. And one of them was wearing a visor. Gavor Oring. Which means, that's Gwelge for, well, God bless us all. What are you doing there, Abdul, with the mask on your face? You mad backstard. Anyway, what can I say, you know? Raining dats and cogs, thunderstorms, but I was uh, proud of our golden retriever, Leia, today. Again, proud of her. Ferocious little retriever. Dogs running for the hills in the park because of the noise of the claps of thunder. Leia completely unmoved by the thunder. Takes after her baldy pal. Scared of nout. That's what I say, anyway. Plenty of things scare me, believe me. Uh, that being said, J- Jazz, God bless her, uh, my, my great friend Jazz, who passed away back in February, February, uh, was petrified of loud noises. Anywho. Listen, this is a bit strange. I've been paying attention to the official podcast chart for the UK since the company that compiles it got in touch with me to say, excuse me, but we really should know you because your podcast is always inside the top 50 for the whole of UK and you're competing with BBC and LBC and talk radio. We should know you and reach out to you because you're independent. This is true now. The company is charitable. 
And I said, right, what do you want me to do? And they said, well, we'll give you an account and you can look at some of your data. We'll give you more data than you get from your provider. And I thought, well, that's good because if ever there's any opportunity to get a bit of advertising revenue, which I don't have, I have none. So I'm with them anyway. And they take data from Apple, from Spotify, from Google, and they provide daily charts. And this program is doing incredibly well. I mean, unbelievably well, right? But anyway, it's, it's shocked even me, really. Remember, keep in mind, podcasts different to live listening numbers. So anyway, one of the things they've managed to do is to give me a detailed breakdown of the audience. Gender, age, etc. That's the UK audience now, right? Not the listeners in America or the listeners in Ireland or the listeners elsewhere. So the, the UK audience numbers are very interesting. Do you want to know them? Now remember, these are people who download the podcast, not people necessarily who listen live. It does make interesting reading. It's 49% female, would you believe? 42% male, 3% non-specified, whatever that means. And strangely enough, it tells me, and I will put the screen grab on to prove this, it tells me 6% non-binary. What kind of fuckery is this? I don't know. I don't know. I've got 6% of those who download the Richie Allen Show have declared themselves to be non-binary. What are you doing listening to my podcast? Tom, what do you say to our non-binary listeners? Let me ask you something. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yes, do you listen to me? Do you know what I think of non-binary? I have a feeling that it is blackguards. We have a term in Ireland, we say somebody is a blackguard. If they are a messer, basically. I think it's you, dear listener, just screwing around. And ticking that non-binary box when you don't really mean it. Or maybe you do. Listen, if you are non-binary, welcome. Welcome. And if I've inflicted hurty feelings on you, sadly for you, there's nobody left to report me to. I've been banned by Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. So fill your boots. Your, your, your next stop really is the police. I shouldn't say that. They might call the police. You never know. Six and a half minutes past the hour. Now, vaccine passports, COVID passes. Chelsea Football Club blue is the colour. Football is the game. Something like that. I don't remember the words. Fo- fo- Chelsea is her name or something like that. Now, Chelsea say, Chelsea Football Club, or Chelsky, as it is owned these days by Roman Abramovich. You'll never hear me say a bad word about him. I, 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 I like my head on my shoulders. Anyway, Chelsea fans... Um, will be required to prove they've been fully jabbed or show evidence of a negative COVID test or they're not getting in to watch Chelsea this season. Oh yeah. As the criteria will apply for the men's and the women's games involving the club. The changes will also apply for Chelsea's friendlies against Tottenham on August 4th and they've got some other friendly with some European club the changes will apply then. Mm, it begins. So if you're a Chelsea fan or a season ticket holder and you listen to programmes like this, well, you're in a bit of a bind, aren't you? You could keep doing the lateral flow test or you could have some principle and just tear up your ticket, which is what I will do. I won't be going to watch Salford City ever again. And that pains me because... The club is only around the corner. 
I love a bit of League Two soccer. I love doing that, you know, spending a Saturday afternoon with the boys. Couple of points, but I won't do it, of course not. Arsenal play Spurs in a friendly, strangely enough, just before the season, and Arsenal has announced they will trial the same scheme. You will need to be double-jabbed or prove that you're not a ticking biological time bomb or you're not going to watch the foosball. There you are. Could save you a lot of money this season. But it isn't good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dreadful. You might want to talk about that when you phoned me. And I didn't mention, by the way, if you phoned me last Wednesday or the previous Wednesday, please do not phone me today. If you've never phoned me before, please consider doing so we like to hear from new voices. And to be fair, every time we do a phone-in, we largely hear from people we've never heard from before. <clears throat> so that's good. So I wanted to read you something, or, or to tell you something, tell you about something that I wrote on my website today. I'm well aware that the, the website, I, I obviously reach more people on the radio than I do on the website. But today... I thought long and hard. I neglected every other business today, including returning emails to my friends and to contacts in the media because I was working on an article all morning and then I had loads to do afterwards. But I've banged on to you, I think, for a long time about the... almost the Twilight Zone feel to the broadcast media in terms of how increasingly in recent years serving politicians or former politicians or lobbyists have ended up presenting radio programmes, sometimes TV programmes, for national broadcasters here in the UK. And I banged on and on and on about that because I didn't feel that I was getting through to my listeners at how important that was and what it signalled, what it signified really what's going on with the media. I put a little piece on richieallen.co.uk today, which is basically a history of the last 30 years. A very condensed now, it must be said, history of what's happened to broadcasting in the last 30 years. And how this era of UK news broadcasting, how it began back in 1990. Well, it really began back in 1989 with a European Union directive. Back in 89, the European Union instructed its member states that they must deregulate broadcasting in their countries to open it up, basically, to the private sector. And how that was the death knell for plurality, plurality in broadcasting as much as print. Forget print, leave that to one side. Very important. And if you haven't read it today, let me just give you a very brief synopsis of it. I think it's hugely important. Funnily enough, I was hoping round about now to be in the middle of a tour of cities in this country where I was going to be doing a stand-up show, a comedy show, where I was going to be talking about the media. It was going to be an, audio, an audiovisual show. One of the things I was going to do was I was going to talk about what happened to the media. So back in 1989, the European Union said, look, we want you to um, deregulate your broadcasting industry to promote competition. The direct effect of that, of course, was not to promote competition. It was basically to destroy competition and ultimately to, to put an end to local 
media to local radio, local broadcasting, right? So, back, so in 1990, then the UK government introduced the the Broadcasting Act of 1990. Okay, and one of the things that Margaret Thatcher said at the time was that the opening up of broadcasting would lead to many new regional and commercial stations. And she said at the time, dear listener, if you're old enough, you'll remember, that for you, that would mean that you would get much more choice and much more diversity. You would hear many more opinions. But of course, the opposite happened, right? Inevitably, the opposite happened. And local radio stations, which you remember, and I was very pleased today to see the response that I got to this article from you who are old enough to remember your local radio station before it was replaced by Heart Radio and all of these other silly homogenised radio stations. So when Thatcher did this, local radio stations floundered. Why did they flounder? Because they found advertising revenue very difficult to come by. Now I know that free market capitalists listen to this programme. I'm well aware of it. And you would say to me, because God love you, in your total failure to understand the real damage done by free market capitalism, you think it's a good thing and you think that the strong and the good and the clever survive and the chaff basically sinks like a stone. That's what you think. But of course you'd be wrong because you just don't know what you're talking about. These local radio stations that were vital in local communities that were covering news and current affairs and sports in their local area, but more importantly, were holding local authorities to account, local councils, for the things they were doing. And they were. I used to produce and present at such a radio station. Those stations, which were generally owned by some business people who belonged in that community, all of a sudden they couldn't survive. The death knell was sounded by what Thatcher did here in the UK. It happened in Ireland as well. So all of a sudden you had all of these radio stations. Now at the same time, the independent broadcasting authority, which regulated, had regulated, radio for years and years and years, for decades, and did an amazing job. It did such an amazing job of regulating local radio that the standards were exemplary. Dear listener, I could speak for hours as to the standards. If you don't believe me, speak to Tony Gosling in Bristol. Bit of a genius is our Tony uh, on this subject and many subjects, but he understands what happened. These were terrific radio stations. And for years, the BBC and in Ireland, RTE, basically would have um, headhunted producers and presenters from these local stations. The standards are so good because the independent broadcasting authority did its job. But it was replaced by Thatcher with the Independent Television Commission and Radio Authority. Now, that later became Ofcom, which we have today. And what that did was drop standards. It led to a terrible drop in standards, both technically and standards in programming, and a dumbing down of the listening audience. And all of a sudden, your local stations found that these guys were on their doorsteps, aggressively going after their business and their advertisers. What did it mean? 
meant they went out of business. What happened then? Well, big corporations and holding companies hoovered up those radio stations. And right now in 2021, 70% of all local commercial analogue radio stations and 60% of the country's commercial digital stations are owned by two companies. They're owned by Bauer and Global. And it is those companies, but particularly Global, that have been putting people like Boris Johnson's sister Rachel Johnson on the air, Labour MP David Lammy, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nigel Farage, guys like Ian Dale, one of the worst presenters ever to open a microphone. A guy who's so useless, he tried and failed three times to win a seat for the Tories. He's a Tory to the bone. He wrote several tributes to Margaret Thatcher. I had a hilarious exchange with Dale when I was working for Talk Radio Europe when basically I laughed him off the line when he was telling tall stories about the brilliance and the genius of Margaret Thatcher. He went away with his tail between his legs. This was before he went to work for LBC. That's what they've done now. It's an amazing coup. And it kind of goes some way to explaining why there is no pushback from the media whatsoever to the tyranny of COVID or Convid or whatever you want to call it. The tyranny of it. What a coup. What an amazing coup. You deregulate the market to destroy the radio stations of the day, which did a great job. The corporations that lobbied you to deregulate the market, they then swallow up the radio stations. And now you don't have any plurality, you don't have any choice, you don't have any diversity. Listen to all of these radio stations around the country. They are homogenised, they're all the same, they sound the same. By sounding the same now, listen to their sweeps. Listen to their sweeps, their station idents. An ident. Well, you know what an ident is, don't you? Do I have to tell you what an ident is? This is an ident. The Richie Allen Show is... Right, that's an ident. So they all sound the same. And it's dreadful. And I said today, you have to hand it to them. It's very clever. But do get over and read that article, if you get a chance. <clears throat> because it's a nice, condensed history of the last 30 years and how... It was designed to to take us to where we are now, where they are brazen enough to put people like Ian Dale on the radio and get him to interview Conservative government ministers. Tories interviewing Tories. Labour interviewing Labour. It is garbage. It is wretched. It is anti-truth. It's anti-journalism. But it's what we have. Amazingly. It's 19 minutes past five. God, I do go on when I start. When I start, I tend to go on, you know. Be cheapers. Now, James Wells used to be a Brexit MEP. Used to be. Allegedly, we left the European Union. Allegedly. Yes, that's another story. And last evening, he was on talk radio's James Wales show. Have a listen. James Wells... God, I'm confusing myself. Former Brexit MEP James Wells was on to explain why he won't have the vaccine. He says that he had COVID and he has the antibodies as the T-cell immunity. It beats the jab. Sounds logical and reasonable to me. Here's James Wells. You will hear him first on the James Whale radio show. It gets interesting. Well, um, I'm, I'm listening to medical advice, actually, because... 
The government's own figures show that if you've had COVID, you've got immunity in terms of antibodies equivalent to the vaccines. And like I said, there's evidence coming out now that actually you have a lifetime of protection against um, serious illness and death. So I think the point of me saying this is not um, necessarily sorry, about whether you have so, vaccine. Sorry, James, 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 yeah. James, James. You haven't answered the flipping question okay the question is have you been told by a doctor that you have enough antibodies in your system and you don't need the vaccine oh and by the no. way when the government said no he just said no listen he just said no he said he hasn't been told by a doctor at all he says no is in your system and you don't need the vaccine oh and by the no. way when the government's no he says say something uh, the elected government, then, yeah, we do have to take notice of it. We elect them to lead the country. And so, yeah, we do have to listen to what they say. Right, you do have to listen to what the government says now because it's the government. Yeah, sure we do, but, you know, it's my body. Um, and, you know, I have sovereignty. And why are you abusing it the way you obviously are, looking at you? I mean, honestly. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm just no, giving I'm, you uh, medical help. I don't care whether you're happy. You know, you healthy. need to... Uh, Look, Are you healthy? I think, I think look, we, we need to reframe this argument because if 92% of adults have already got antibodies we, about, against COVID, and by the way... What do you mean we need... Hang on. Just keep talking over him, over him, over him. What do you mean we need... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, well, Get your own you show if you want to lead it. No, you no. I ask, well, you answer. You ask it's really simple. No, no, no. Let's keep the question. Never about, mind about reframing the, the issue answer the question because like all politicians all you do is try and get the person asking you the questions off topic so you don't have to answer it. Mm. But he did answer the question he clearly said no that his doctor hadn't told him not to have the vaccine but he's not been given a chance he's already said no doctor didn't say that to me here's a bit more. And I've asked you, have you been to a doctor? Has the doctor said, you, oh, yes, you're full of antibody, uh, antibot, anti, um, antibodies. 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 Anyway. Um, and uh, you don't need the vaccine. Has a doctor said that to you? No, no doctor's going to say that, are they? No. no. So well, exactly. You, you, you know. Well, not when they're getting about £30 of vaccine. If you tell a doctor, hey, doc, we'll give you 30 quid or 20 quid, whatever it is, it might be 20. For every jab you give somebody, how many doctors do you think? This is like Bruce Forsyth's play your cards right. We asked a hundred doctors. <laughs> we asked the do, 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 do. We asked a hundred doctors. Doctors, if we uh, give you twenty pounds every time you give a vaccine, how many of you would tell your patients, "Well, I think you've got enough antibodies. You don't need a vaccine." Well, Mary, what do you think? Have a confer there with your husband, Bill. Right. They're not going to say that he's right. You know you're defying what your GP would say, which is a bit weird, isn't it, to say, no, GP, I know better. I've got antibodies. I think you're wrong. That's basically what you're saying. This guy is called Ash. He's a sidekick for James Whale. You know, well, no, Imagine you, being a sidekick for James Whale. Well, no, your GP wouldn't say that. And like I said, I come back to the fact Your that, GP you would know, tell you to my, get the vaccine. Wouldn't he recommend it, wouldn't he? He'd say you should have the vaccine. Probably, yeah. I mean, I've been offered the vaccine and I declined it, yeah. Good man. Well, there you go. Don't you why, feel why a bit you... stupid in your position declining it when the government is suggesting you take it? You've had it. Why would you be so stupid as to do that? I don't understand. Mm. Why would you be so stupid as to defy the government? <laughs> why would you be so thick as to not listen? Look at Boris Johnson. Just look at him. He's the picture of health. The man is he's an Adonis. Why would you not listen to him? Look at Sajid Javid, Matt Hancock. Wow. What does he say? 
Right. Okay. Well, if you let me actually talk just for a minute. So, so basically, yeah, let me, that's a good idea. Let me actually get a word in anyway. Like I said, the research. I think I've let said, you talk quite a lot, actually. No, you haven't, Whale. I hate James Whale. I'll tell you why in a minute. To be honest. But can the medical research, The medical research shows that I've got equivalent antibodies now um, as if I've had the vaccine. There's also, like I said, data showing that actually I've now got a lifetime immunity from serious illness and death. I, I might get reinfected at some point in the future because antibodies don't mm. last forever, but I've got T-cell immunity. And so, you know, it's my body um, and I've chosen not to have it. Now, like I said, the important question here is whether actually this, this whole question about whether someone's selfish or not is actually relevant anymore. I mean, we've got 200 people but in you are uh, hospital. You're, you're waffling now. I'm sorry, but you're waffling. Not waffling at all. He was perfectly clear. It was a brilliantly concise answer. I have T-cell immunity. There is no chance, really, for the rest of my life that I'm going to be seriously ill. I might be infected again. He said, I might be, but I'm not going to be ill because I've got T-cell immunity. I know this. I've had this this test. He's not waffling. Sorry, but you're waffling. He isn't. The fact is, well, no, you don't... No, no, listen to me. You are waffling. You are in a position as an ex-MEP and a person that I imagine some people look up to uh, to actually uh, demonstrate some kind of sensible attitude to this. The 99% of medical people suggest we have the vaccine. I wonder why you want to stick yourself in this rather stupid position and make yourself look such a fool. I mean, why do you want to look like this? Do you really think siding with the small amount of people is a good idea? If you've had COVID, if you've got antibodies, then you've got nothing to lose at all. In fact, you've got loads to gain by having the vaccine. So why would you not have it? Now, at this stage, you would imagine the next voice you hear will be James Wells, the former MEP. But it's Whale. What is it no, in your head? No, no, no. What it just won't let him answer. What is it in your head that says, no, I'm not having it? Because every, every vaccine comes with a risk. Yes. There's no long-term every, danger. Every medicine has, comes with a risk. Exactly. So if I don't need it, why would I take an additional risk? Who says you don't need it? You've not asked your doctor. I've already had COVID. Yeah. Wow. On the same programme, here's Whale, this time not with a politician, but caller Paul from Birmingham. There's a reason I'm staying with this. It's to explain what I spent 10 minutes speaking about earlier on. When radio, before the deregulation of broadcasting in this country, when radio stations were local and run by local people, this was impossible. This couldn't have happened. This badgering. This editorialising, this nonsense from Wales was impossible. It couldn't have happened because Wales' feet wouldn't have, basically wouldn't have touched the ground. He'd have been out of that seat in, in, in a heartbeat. What's next is absolutely astounding. Here he is with a caller who's taken the time to phone him to say that he doesn't want the vaccine. Why haven't you uh, taken the vaccine? Why haven't I? Because I've, I've, I've done research. You're an idiot. That's why you haven't done it. You're an absolute oh, idiot. Right, you've cut people off. I've done some research, says Paul. Before Paul gets a chance to explain that he's looked at the yellow card reporting system and people are dropping like flies after they've had the bloody thing. And he's looked at it, the American situation. That's why, James, he might have said that, Paul, but no, just go straight to calling him an idiot. Wow. And just shut them down. You're at, well, just you have no reason. Idiot. There are 
two-thirds of this no, nation who've had no, the vaccine, totally and somebody wrong, like you, you who thinks they totally know more wrong. than the doctors and totally the scientists... Wrong. You change your mind over Brexit, mate. Yes, I'm perfectly, yes, uh, yes. perfectly prepared to well, uh, admit I, that. I, I've admitted I that a lot. So that you'll change your mind over the vaccine. No, people like you annoy me intensely. People like you annoy me intensely. You are a miserable, silly, stupid person who is putting other people at risk. Take the vaccine. Take it. Rubbish. Do your research. If you did your research, you'd find that like 90% of doctors or 99% of doctors say you should take it. No, no, it's... Goodbye, rude as well. Oh no, I can't believe believe that. Just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. He said bollocks. God love him, Paul. He said it's bollocks. It's bollocks to say that every doctor in the country or in the world is advocating for the jabs. Bollocks is not the end of the world. That's astonishing stuff. I'll tell you about the deterioration of radio in this country. Back in November last year, I'd finished a programme and I was given... I was given a heads up from Hayden Hewitt that James Whale on talk radio was talking about me, that's me by the way, with a guy from a ridiculous organisation called Hope Not Hate. And it was about the dangers of independent radio guys like me and how we platform racists and stuff like that. And all this nonsense anyway. So I switched over to listen with my usual attitude, I don't care whether, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioned on the national press. It's all good publicity, really. Ultimately, it doesn't do you any real harm. So I thought, well, I wonder what this is going to be about. Funnily enough, on the very same night, Sky News carried a story about this programme the same night. And Whale had this guy on from Hope Not Hate, and this guy was speaking about me and the programme as if the programme existed only to platform bigots anti-Semites and flat-out racists, that I was dangerous and all of this. So, of course, I'm not one to be too bothered by that or too annoyed by it. I just went, all right. So I tweeted James Whale at the time, a very polite tweet. I kept the screenshots. And I said, listen, I'm actually listening to my show being spoken about on your programme. And... Obviously, I'm entitled to write a reply. Were you planning on giving me a call or a tweet at any stage to invite me on so that I can defend the programme? Do you know what James Whale did? This is astonishing now. He blocked me. He didn't answer me. He blocked me. Now, I'll tell you what that means. In any other era, apart from this scam, this convict scamdemic we're living in, that would have resulted in a payout for me. Do you understand that? A major payout. That was in breach of so many Ofcom regulations, I don't even know where to begin. It's not an ethical, um, it's not an, an ethical, for want of a better word, rule that you must abide by. It is, it, it is, it is the law. It is the law that you must reach out to the person and and tell them, inform them that they're being spoken about by somebody in a less than flattering way. Would you like to come on? And the reason you do that is, one, to cover your arse. 
as a radio station in case the guy has actually libeled the person that he's been speaking about. So at the speed of light when this has happened over the years during my time in radio, I'd have, and I'm talking about now when I produced people, if anybody was criticised in a programme that I was producing, I couldn't get to the criticised person quickly enough to cover our arse. Excuse me, Mrs Murphy or Mr Smith, you've been mentioned on my radio programme. A guy has blurted something out about you and I want to let you know what he said. We challenged him and I'm, re- I'm calling you to give you right of reply. I'm sending over a copy of the programme. That's standard. Do you know what that fool James Whale did? And if I was the boss of talk radio, I'd have fired him. I'd have fired him in a heartbeat. He blocked me. Now, I could have complained to Ofcom and I could have instructed a solicitor. But I didn't do it because I'd be a hypocrite. You can't beat these scumbags in the system, in the system that that we operate in today. It was astonishing stuff. All I would have done was gone on there and said, I'll never forget this, it was so bizarre. I was laughing at it that night. I would have gone on there and said, um, listen, this guy, this guy from Hope Not Hate, he's an arsehole. Why didn't you challenge him? But seeing as you didn't, let me just explain what my radio show does and who it speaks to and why. And then I would have said, thanks for letting me on and giving me my, my say, goodbye and good luck to you. He blocked me. And that, this is what's happened in the last 30 years to the media. That wouldn't have happened, what Whale did to me last year. And what Whale is doing to people today, it couldn't have happened before the European Union instructed its member states to deregulate radio. Couldn't have happened. Because from the outset, the people involved would have been fired. They would have been fired. And that's not an exaggeration. Don't pass go, don't collect £200. You're gone. You're incompetent. You're not fit for purpose. You've got one job. That job is to make sure that if person C is accused of something on your show by person A, you the presenter of person B, you find person C and you give them right of reply. It's incredible stuff, this. Hayden Hewitt and myself laughed that night. We talked for 20 minutes afterwards saying, how has it come to this? How did they... How how are they in a position where they feel completely insulated against justice, that they can do this? Now, my example, by the way, is a very small one. It's a very small one. A guy from a ridiculous um, um, organisation, Hope Not Hate, goes on the programme, says nasty stuff about the Richie Allen show. That's small potatoes. It doesn't matter. But they do it to people all the time in ways that it impacts on those people's businesses and their careers. It couldn't have happened pre-1990. Now it is par for the course. And this is the reason why these animals, these scumbags, because James Whale is a world-class scumbag. That's all he is. Nothing else. I don't care about his personal life. He might have a wife. He might have children. World-class scumbag. But he's got company on his own station and on LBC and the 70% of other stations in the country that are run by Global and run by Bauer. This is your media today in 2021. Crazy stuff. It's uh, 24 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. A couple of more things I want to do before I open the phone lines. First of all, um, 
I want to talk about this because it is interesting. Do you remember last week, people were very concerned when, when they heard that Pretty Patel's home office were consulting on updating the 1989 um, Act, the Official Secrets Act. You know the Official Secrets Act? Well, the Home Office is consulting on updating it. And fears were expressed, weren't they, some weeks ago or two weeks ago, that this might lead to reporters who are handed leaked documents being prosecuted for taking those leaked documents in the same way as those people who leak classified information or those who commit espionage offences. Reporters could conceivably, they're discussing this, be prosecuted for receiving leaked documents that might be embarrassing to the government. So a lot of people, veteran journalists, campaigners, have been writing to the government and complaining and kicking off about this thing that it is dystopian, which it is. Now, Boris Johnson this morning sat down with LBC Radio's Nick Ferrari and they discussed this very subject. Have a listen. I've known you for a number of years. You've referenced the time that we spent together uh, when you were mayor and I've known you as a buccaneering journalist and opinionated journalist. You must have concerns that journalists could face prison terms of up yeah. to 14 years under plans to reform the Official Secrets Act. Yes. Prime Minister. I, this is this is I know, but this is not what we want to do at all. And I, I let me. Well, it's by your colleague Pretty Patel. The consultation yeah, has begun. Uh, but and this is a consultation. Uh, and let me so make we don't need absolutely to worry about it. yes. We don't. I don't want to have a world in which uh, people are prosecuted for in a public for doing what they think is their public duty and and in the public interest. I and in the public you, interest. Absolutely. And in the public interest, because I think. You know, you know as as well as I do as a as a journalist. Uh, Not of your no, level. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Uh, you you even wrote in the Sunday Express this. Stuff. That was my one. Why are you stealing that no, no, as well? No, I wouldn't dream it. I wouldn't dream it. <sighs> uh, but uh, you know as well as I do that um, a lot of the best and most important stories, whether they're uh, Watergate or, or Thalidomide or whatever, uh, come Matt from come, come from tainted sources. Let me put it like that, or come from a source that. Uh, has no business in putting that out into the public domain. What do you mean by that? Everybody has the business to put something into the public domain if it's in the interest of the public, surely, right? And Doesn't the public interest and, outweigh just about anything? And, yes. And so, oh, so, so my argument is that uh, that's the important thing to focus on. And, you know, some what, so look, put another way, one man's, um, uh, you know, treacherous betrayer of, of, of confidences and uh, irresponsible leaker uh, is another man's whistleblower. Right. And so, How does that affect the Official uh, Secrets uh, Act? And so what we want to do is make sure that we don't uh, do anything to interrupt the operation of, uh, of good... Uh, journalism and bringing new, new and important well, facts why the review, into the well, public why domain. Why is the review necessary then, Prime Minister? We're, we're conducting a general review of the Official Secrets Act, but we certainly do not wish to see the um, anything to interrupt. Well, why don't you shows. just rip it up now? Because the consultation has begun. But what you are doing, Nick, if I may say so, in your in your characteristic. Uh, way is offering your own view. You are. But you're, you're a journalist in boots you are, as well. You're you've been an editor. You don't want to see. You've it. been a journalist. You've been an editor. Yeah. Boris Johnson. Great pals, aren't they? George Carlin put it better than anybody. It's a big club. 
and we're not in it. All of these people, great pals, you know, all of them. Yeah. Sajid Javid has been talking today. Now, this is a long clip, but I don't want to play all of it, so I'm going to break it up as quick as I can, if I can. He was talking about the fact that for seven days in a row, cases of COVID are dropping dramatically. But he was telling reporters today from a pop-up vaccination centre, no less. Wow. Uh, Not to get too excited about the cases coming down. But he also talked about youngsters coming forward to being jabbed. And I don't know where we are in the in the clip here because I fast forwarded it. Let's have a listen. We've passed the baton to them and we're saying... Yeah, he's saying that we passed the baton to the kiddies. It's time for them to come forward and get jabbed. And I think he says something like three million youngsters have yet to have their jab. Three million, 20-somethings, have yet to have even one. To 29, there's some three million people that haven't yet even had their first jab. And they should really come forward and not just protect themselves, help protect their loved ones. Yeah, I won't bore you with that, but you heard him. It's a very bad audio that it, I've grabbed it from Sky. There was a lot of noise in the pop-up vaccine centre. Three million twenty to 29-year-olds, I think, he alleges, hasn't or haven't even come forward for a jab. That's good news. Good news. I'd love to know the, the, the statistics for people over 40. How many people over 40 have flatly refused to come forward and have a jab? I'd love to know that, but I can't for the life of me find out. This will make you sick before we move on and before I take calls. Bharat Pankania is a witch doctor, Exeter University. He is a darling of the media. He's on all the time, a scientist allegedly, and he wants to jab all 12 to 18-year-olds. Here he is on Sky News. I am really concerned that the United Kingdom is not considering immunising children aged 12 and above whereas United States, Canada, Israel, Netherlands, France, New Zealand are all doing so. That would allow schools to run in a much safer way if we were to also immunise children. You can read my mind. I was just about to ask you. Uh, You can read my mind. I was just about to ask you that point because today Ireland... uh to offer coronavirus vaccines to adolescents aged between 12 and 15. Why is England so resistant? I really wish I knew because there have been what I would call fudge-type answers from the JCVI, whom I respect very much. But on this occasion, on this issue, I'm in disagreement with the JCVI, and I personally feel that there is a lot of positive gain to be achieved by having an immunization program for 12 years and above. The MHRA, the regulatory body for safety of the vaccines, have clearly indicated that the vaccine overall is safe in this age group. So I'm at a loss to explain why the United Kingdom, JCVI, has not gone down this way. Mm. Barat Pankania. He says the MHRA has seemingly cleared it for youngsters, so I don't understand why we haven't begun to jab all the youngsters just as they have done in America. Yeah, yeah. But you want to hear a clip that we've not heard for a long time, dear listener? This is June Rain, who is the, well, she's the head of the MHRA, which is the regulatory body. It's supposed to regulate medicines and medicinal products to ensure that they are safe for you and me, right? He said the MHRA has cleared it. This is June Rain from the MHRA speaking to a parliamentary committee last year. 
I thought this was very spooky at the time, but nobody else seemed to be too concerned by it. I wonder uh, if you would mind just explaining uh, to us, for completeness of, uh, of the evidence that we're gathering, the importance of the role of the MHRA in allowing medical products and devices to, to come into uh, uh, use. Brilliant question. This is a brilliant question. What is the importance of your role in basically allowing medicines to come into use, to end up on the shelves of chemists' pharmacies or for doctors to prescribe. Now, you would be forgiven for imagining that the head of the MHRA, June Rain, would say, well, it's our job to crawl up Big Pharma's arse with a microscope right up their arses to make sure that they're not telling us any lies about testing, about drug trials, and that the drugs are in fact safe for human consumption. My job is to be their worst nightmare. That's what I would have said if I was June Rain. Her answer, well. Our role is to, in a nutshell, enable access. But the uh, evidence that we require is that the benefits outweigh any risks. And therefore, we take every care scientifically and in terms of our robust procedures to ensure that these standards are met. But first of all... Our role is to, in a nutshell, enable access. Our role is to enable access to massive pharmaceutical companies to sell their crap to the nation. Nobody blinked when... When she said this last year, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Let me give you the contact details. This is Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. If you'd like to talk with me via Skype, it's chat with Richie. That's all one word. If you can't do that and you need to phone me, it's 0161 818 2018 in the UK. Outside the UK, plus 44161 Remember... If you called me last Wednesday or the previous Wednesday, please don't today. Please don't, okay? We, have a, uh, we, we get a great mix of callers. I'm adamant I will not allow this to become parochial in any way. We have hundreds of thousands of listeners around the world. I'm not going to uh, enable a situation where, you, where we have the same voices all the time. And it hasn't happened in the seven years that I've been doing the programme. That is why I say if you call the last couple of times... Don't today, you can call again in the future. How about them apples? Well, it's my game, I make the rules, right? This is Buzz Cox and I don't mind. Pete Shelley, rest in peace, Manchester's finest. There's a pretty major problem with my communications system here. And it seems that my everything is fine in terms of my output. My callers can hear me. But for some reason, I can't hear them and it isn't coming back through the desk. It isn't the obvious fixes. There's a list of three or four obvious fixes that my great friend and engineer Paul Ripley has left with me for such eventualities. But it isn't one of those. And I'm a pretty calm-headed guy, you know, when things go wrong. I've looked at the obvious things, dear listener, and I'm a bit stumped, is what I am. I'm a bit stumped. So I can't do anything about that momentarily. Uh, all I can do is apologise profusely. Very lucky, really, considering it's a one-man band operation. You could count really on one hand in seven years 
the, the, the technical problems. We just don't have technical problems here, but this is one that I'm afraid I can't deal with. I can't deal with. And there was a stack of calls waiting to come in. There was an Israeli caller in the queue there. Did someone from Israel want to take me on? On Palestine, maybe. That would have been nice. Calls from, from the US and plenty of calls from the UK. And a mobile call coming in from Ireland, as well as about 30 different Skype calls. But I can't answer them. I can't hear you. And it just sounds like it sounds dreadful. If I'm sitting there saying, are you there? So no, I'm afraid we can't do anything about that. So I'm just going to have to move on, really, very briefly, and bore you to death with with my speak for the moment. How disappointing. But we've done two in the last two weeks. This is going to be the third one in a row. I did promise, I did say this earlier, I did promise we would do more of these, especially now in the silly season. I do need your help increasingly to fill... (laughs) In the silly season, it isn't as if there's not enough to talk about Bloomingdale. There's plenty to uh, uh, to talk about, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah, and we're not going to talk about the Olympics. I've been, I've been, I've been giggling away to myself in the mornings on my walks, on my walks with my canine chum, at the gushing behaviour of the presenters on television and radio in the UK about the Olympics. There's nothing worse than this Olympics in Tokyo. I've never been a fan of track and field in any case. Years ago, we all watched Damon Coughlin in Ireland win the World 5,000 Metre Championships in Helsinki in 1983. (laughs) We we were delighted. And we watched Sonia O'Sullivan win a silver medal, I think, in the Atlanta Olympics in 1986. And that was fantastic. And I think in 1986, we watched Michelle de Bruin win loads of gold medals in the swimming pool, only to find out she'd taken more steroids than Lance Armstrong and the entire WWF put together. (laughs) Do you remember the scandal at the time Michelle de Bruin and her husband, she won medals. And I remember at the time, we, we, I was what, 1996, 1996 I would have been, let me grab some water before I regale you with this boring anecdote. Let me, let me have some water. 96, I would have been, excuse me, I would have been 22. 21, actually. 21, because I was born on New Year's Eve, 1974. So I would have been 21, yeah. And these Michelle de Bruin, now, she wasn't Michelle de Bruin when when she was fixing these races. What was her name, this Michelle woman? But she was Irish anyway. And the country went mad because an Irish woman was winning Olympic gold medals. You know, the country didn't have a 50 metre swimming pool. I don't know where she trained. Loch Derg, maybe. Halfway up, uh, I don't know, the McGillicuddy Reeks. I don't know where she trained. <laughs> but she was a cheating backstart. But I remember going to a pub in Waterford. Because... We'd, we'd be five or six hours ahead of Atlanta, Georgia, probably six hours, because it's on central time. And she was swimming around midday in Atlanta, and the pubs were packed out in Ireland. I was in a pub. We were all there. What was her surname, this Michelle woman? I can't remember. Somebody helped me out for the crack. I can't remember. And, um, well, we packed out the pubs. I mean, this is major. Like, this is... This is like when Ireland qualified for the European Championships in 1998 and when we qualified for Italia 90. 
Uh, I'm being told by several sources her name was Michelle Smith. Yes, that's right. She had a lovely curly head of hair. And she wasn't, uh, she wasn't a bad looker now, Michelle. She had a, a very lith, litha, lithe, litha, female swimmer's body. Uh, Jean Ann is telling me she's a barrister now. But she won these medals. I, I think she won three golds and a silver. Sure. Look, you didn't have to be Lieutenant Colombo now <laughs> at the time <laughs> to realise that something was up. Something wasn't quite right. Eating your spinach there, Michelle, you are, you are. Are you fortifying your spinach with, with any tablets by any chance? But yeah, she's uh, working in law now and she's seemingly put it behind her to her absolute credit. Well done to her. <laughs> Stripped of her medals like Ben Johnson was back in in Seoul, in Korea in 1998. But that, that's, that, that was, th- those were our Olympic experiences. And most recently, of course, a couple of very funny Kerry brothers have done very well, haven't they? And they did they get a silver medal? Did they, or did they get a did, did they get a gold medal? These brothers, they might have gotten a silver. These lads from Kerry, they're very funny. They've done a series of interviews. This is at the last Olympics in 2016. Their names escape me now. These brothers, but um, yes, I'm not too fond of the Olympics. But watching it played out in empty stadiums, and listening to BBC presenters, absolute media whores now, right acting pretending like it's all hunky-dory and it's all brilliant and it's an amazing spectacle when it's absolute garbage. It's actually joyous to me to listen to them in the morning, straining every sinew to give the impression that it's just wonderful, this Olympics. It couldn't be any more Orwellian or dystopian. To see people going up to get their medals wearing masks and not bowing their heads so that the chairperson of the Olympic Committee can put the medals over their necks. No, no, picking up the medals themselves, even though they've had 72 fucking COVID tests in order to be allowed to compete in the first place. It's mad stuff, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? It's four minutes past six. If you've just joined me, we should be chatting away, you and me, on the old dog and bone, but it's not going to happen because there's something very wrong with my communication system. And there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing at all, sadly, other than waffle away with you. But I will tire myself soon enough, uh, have no doubt about that. I'll get tired of listening to myself. While I go another direction, and I can't even phone somebody up now, while I go another direction, let's have a tune from The Young Rascals. One, two, three. The Young Rascals and Good Loving on the Richie Allen radio show. Should have been doing the uh, Your Call thing this afternoon, but sadly... There is a problem, Houston. I'm, I'm just for the crack now. This is proper car crash. But you know, I'm such a consummate professional. I'm such a fantastic radio presenter. I can't even say that without laughing, by the way. I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a pro. Is that what I'm going to do now? Is I'm going to try and fix it on air because something has occurred to me, you know? Something has occurred to me. So I'm going to try and fix it while we're on air. You can uh, talk amongst yourselves there, if you don't mind, dear listener. It is uh, coming up for eight minutes past six. I'm reliably informed that the O'Donovan brothers are from Cork, Skibbereen. Thank you, dear listener. Dear listeners, they are, indeed. Gary and Paul O'Donovan, they won a gold in the lightweight skulls. Lightweight double skulls. I tell you what, that's fantastic, isn't it? Eh? Isn't it? For, for Ireland. 
But um, their interviews were comedy gold. I remember seeing them at the time. And even afterwards, when they went on Irish TV programmes, when they came back from the Olympics and they were interviewed and they went on the Graham Norton programme, they were absolutely terrific. So they were. While I'm chatting with you, I'm going to try and employ a little, not, not, not imply, effect, I'm going to affect a little fix here to see can I get the old communications back up and running. Bear with me now, I'm typing stuff as I'm talking to you. Should have been a fighter pilot or something, you know. Multitasking here. Task saturation, right. Okay, let's see, that's the password. Ah, oh, beekeepers! That is the right password. Hang on there now, let's try that again. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see, let's try it. And there I am, I'm back in again, and I can see there's been about a thousand missed calls. Okay, I won't exaggerate. There's been 78 missed calls, right? Okay, you have 78 missed calls. Thank you. Thank you, I do. I do, be jeepers. Right, let's, let's see now. Something happened there now. I wonder, be jeepers. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Let me try this. Let me try this. Are we, are we back? Are we... God, after doing that now, I, I might be embarrassed. We might not be back. Oh, God. Let's see. I'm going to try it. And then I'm going to give up, dear listener. And I'm going to go another way. I'm going to give up then. Right, let's see. Let's see. No. No. I thought I'd fixed it. I had a brainwave. And I went back in there and I did my May West. But no, I think we're, we're scuppered for today, sadly. I'll be paying a... I, I'll be making a phone call to my engineer after the programme and getting him out first thing tomorrow morning. Because, of course, I have a radio show to do tomorrow. Oh, God. That's the way of it you see in the independent media. Not attached to a radio station. Do not have an engineer on hand. No producers, no editors. It's just me, sadly. And it's the only time that it doesn't sound like you're listening to BBC Radio 5 Live or something else. It's when something goes wrong because I can't do anything about it. Sadly. I'm not giving up, though, you know. I'm a stubborn bastard is what I am. Try that again now. Let's see. Let's see. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Nope, not happening. Not happening. No, 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 no. No, not happening at all. No, not happening. No, no, no. Oh, God. God loves a trier, but he doesn't love me today, sadly. So forget about the phone in. Forget about the phone in, dear listener. Forget about the phone in. Let me go to the messages. Harry says, Richie, according to Wikipedia, Michelle Smith was not stripped of her Olympic medals because she never tested positive. Is that what Wikipedia says? She was stripped of her medals, wasn't she? She doesn't have Olympic champion status, as far as I remember. Help me out there. Hi to Christine. Christine says, Richie, getting back to the vaccines, I go to a gym class. There are eight people in a class of about 18 who are not taking the jab. They're younger than me. I'm 38. Sorry, I'm 58. They're in their 40s and younger. I can't work out the average. Never was good at maths. I don't mind listening to your dulcet tones, says Christine. Well, that's, that's fair enough, Christine. Thank you very much. Mike says, greetings from County Down Ritchie. Men and women running around in circles doesn't really cut it for me either. Michelle Smith, by the way, doped up to the knockers. She was. Why did, do you think she thought she'd escape the testing regime of the Atlanta judges? What is it about these people? Didn't Lance Armstrong realise that eventually you'd be caught? And by the way, when we're talking about Lance Armstrong, 
Let's give great, 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 great credit to Irish journalism and Paul Kimmage, who hounded Lance Armstrong for years and years and years. He knew he was cheating. That cheating bastard. He was cheating. Hi to Scottish John in Austin. John, your email to me is an epic. It is an opus, my friend. So I can't read it out right now. I'll check it out a bit later on. France says, Richie, regarding your show last night, I was really quite shocked. I can understand you giving her a grilling, but my goodness, you came across being angry and hostile. There was no need for this. I have never heard you being so hostile towards a guest. You've not been listening long enough then, Fran, because I have gone after people in the past and I probably will again in the future. Chris says, Richie, referencing your article about local radio, I'm connected with the music business, albeit semi-retired. There was a discussion thread about local radio a while back on LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is a service for, for, for people to create an account to advertise themselves and their experience. You know, you, you would have a LinkedIn account to demonstrate to users of LinkedIn basically your CV or your resume, the things you've done, the things you are capable of doing. Thank you, Chris. So there was a discussion about local radio. One of the last stations to be taken over recently, says Chris, was Wandsworth's local station. Firstly, it was renamed Riverside. Then there was a purge of jocks who supported local artists who were replaced with puppets and fixed playlists. Yes, Chris. From a music perspective, independent artists are being pushed towards internet. No licence, no royalties. Internet radio, unless they sell out to a major record label. Best regards, Chris. That's an excellent email, Chris. And I didn't know that Wandsworth's local radio station had recently been purchased by one of these companies. But, mate, I'm obviously totally unsurprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. Hi to Grant. Grant says it's hilarious that I was kicked off Twitter. It's a badge of honour, says Grant. After listening to your interview last night for a second time, I thought you did well with Kate and she was eloquent and capable of handling the verboseness, says Grant. Thank you, Grant. I love how so many of you think that you've got to grade me on an interview that I did. I, I'm always polite and I really do love you. But I couldn't give a shit what you think about how I conducted an interview. I don't know why you think I would care. But I'll keep reading them out anyway, particularly the, the, the critical ones. I'm not being bullish now when I say that. I've been doing my gig since 1998. I'm good sometimes, sometimes I'm not good, sometimes I'm great, other times I'm average. Deal with it. I deal with it. You know, you're only as good as your last radio show. I do, impl not, I don't imply, but there are several people who have worked in the business for many, many years and they email me from time to time with a critique of my performance. Sometimes they're very kind, sometimes they're not kind at all. What I do is I listen to them very carefully and what I do is I put into practice their recommendations because they know what they're talking about. So I do listen to them. But you know what I learned many years ago, dear listener? I think I, think I told you the story before. When I started out doing very late night radio, I was handed a letter one day by the wonderful receptionist who ran reception and who basically ran the station. Wonderful woman called Lorraine. Great woman. Great organiser. Lorraine says, here you are. There's a letter about the programme. And I opened the letter. 
and I read that I was basically absolutely garbage. You're shit. Get off the radio. You're rubbish. What are you talking about? We can't understand a word you're saying. The music, you're rubbish. Now, I was new to this, so my heart was broken. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me, and I thought for a moment that I was going to be fired. And my great friend and confidant, my great mentor, uh, the, the late great Billy, who I've mentioned a million times on this programme, not with us anymore, sadly, Billy says to me, Richie, he said, you are shit. <laughs> That's why you're doing the late night gig. To refine, to hone your ability, if you have any. And you might not have any. Don't worry about it. He said, uh, we all get these letters from people who think we're crap. He said, just pay attention to what you're being told. Listen to the instruction you're given by successful people. And you'll do okay, son. And then he gave me the Kipling approach to being even a tiny way in the public eye because I don't believe I'm in the public eye. That's for narcissistic people who believe that they are important. I'm not in the public eye. I'm a baldy gammon, curmudgeonly bastard who presents a radio show five days a week. And it either has listeners or it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I do it because I like doing it. I learned the Kipling approach. Take criticism, take praise, and deal with them the exact same way. Ignore them. Unless the criticism is coming from people who know what they're talking about. And my mates do criticise me from time to time, and I take it on board. I, I'm, I, I welcome it greatly. I say, right, thank you, I will pay attention to that. Right, I'll stop saying that. Yes, you're right. So, look, you are entitled to think that I did a good or a bad job on any given night. That's your absolute right. But I spend zero time worrying about that and never will. Because you're right. You see, it's a subjective thing. If you listen to something and you think that it's not very good, who's to tell you you're wrong? I certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. Billy says, Richie, myself and my good lady wife have been listening to your show for over a year and we thoroughly enjoy it. Thanks, Billy. Uh, thanks to your show, my wife is now fully awake and is 100% against the jab. However, yesterday I very nearly made an early exit from your show due to your line of questioning at Kate Shemarani. I fully understand that to do your job properly, you have to take an alternative viewpoint, but in my humble opinion, the tone in which you said about her was far too robust for someone that is, after all, on our side. Is she? Is there a side? Are we on sides? I don't know. I reject that personally, but anyway, I'm not talking about Kate now, but anybody saying that I'm on their side or they're on my side. I'm an independent journalist. I don't have any sides. But anyway, Billy says, I'm so glad I stayed with the interview. Thank God, Billy. And, uh, and I heard you apologise for the name you called her the previous day. Thank you, Billy. We're on the same side, Richie, he says. It's just my observation. But I'm not, you see. And I remember there was, there, there, was, there was a big deal made a few years ago when I contacted davidike.com and said, I would prefer it if you don't broadcast my programme anymore. Don't do that. This shocked a lot of people because I had a very close relationship with David. And my decision to do that had nothing to do with my not liking him or wanting to personally distance myself from him. It was because you couldn't credibly call yourself an independent journalist. 
if you were attaching yourself to another organisation in some way. And that's all it was. I'm not on anybody's side at all. I'm not. And and this perplexes people. They can't understand it. Why, Richie? You you talk to these people. You 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 allow people speak about subjects that the mainstream media doesn't. Therefore, you must be on my side. No, I'm not. Not on your side at all. I believe in fairness, and I believe in old school radio, where nobody is barred from it, where nobody is marginalised. Where you don't say to professors with 30, 40 years experience of research, you don't get to speak because the experts say that COVID is real and it's killing people. I don't believe in that. That's why I do the programme. And there's always been enough interest in it for it to wipe its face every month and keep on the road. But I'm not on your side. And I know some of you will be offended by that. And you'll be apoplectic and you'll be upset. How could you say that? We're all on the same side. No, I'm not on anybody's side. I totally reject it. This is the reason. I explained last night. I never did the truth or conferences. I refuse to go and speak to people. Um, You know, people who've already been alerted to what's going on. I refuse to do all of that. I am a one-man band. I'm a lone ranger. I'm a maverick. I'm out there by myself. That's all it is, really. And I know that is, is, is a difficult concept for you to grasp sometimes, but if you think deep enough about it, if you read, if you let go of your prejudices and you think long and hard about it, you'll say to yourself, well, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Kate Chemerani is a better human being than Edwina Curry. Because I was getting properly stuck into Edwina Curry when Edwina Curry was telling lies about the seriousness of the infection and I got stuck into her to the point where she hung up on me. So don't say that, you know, it's the first time that I've gone after people. Jesus, do you remember when Ken O'Keefe was exposed for robbing people blind with his lies about one world citizenship and all of that? Listen back to that. When somebody deserves a bit of a chasing... Uh, They get it. I thought the lady last night held her own and did very well. I'm not endorsing her. Doesn't mean that I've converted to the to the uh, to to team Kate Shemarani. Not in a million years. But you do your job, right? You can't call somebody a nutter. It's wrong. You know, she's not a politician. She's not a, a director of a corporation. She's a woman who used to be a nurse. Calling her a nutter was wrong. The only way to correct that is to give a right of reply and to challenge her on the comments she made about the Nuremberg thing. That's the right thing to do. So uh, so there you go, really. Lovely. Colin is in Kerry. Why not set up a Telegram account, Richie? No, I don't want to set up a Telegram account. I don't. I just don't want to be involved in Telegram or Gab or any of that stuff. I don't. I really don't. I'm happy enough with my website now. If you want to follow what I'm doing during the day, leading into the live radio show, go to richieallen.co.uk. It's as simple as that. Wes is in Alabama, in the deep south. How you doing, Wes? Nothing has changed here, Richie. We're living life as we did in 2019. 
Love it when you play the banjo clip and sing along uh, for the batshit crazy statements made by these public health and press Nazis. Thank you, Wes, and thanks for supporting the Richie Allen radio show. I am indebted to you and to everybody else who does. Yes, it seems to be a better place to be now, doesn't it, in the American South with those governors who appear at the moment to be doing the right thing. No mask wearing. They're not even saying to people, listen, we've removed the mask mandate, but we would still prefer that you wear them in certain settings. No, they're not even doing that. They're saying no. No to jab coercion. That's what's going on in the South. And I don't want to be a party pooper now. I hope, and indeed I might pray, that it stays the same in those states. We'll have to wait and see. I would imagine that extreme pressure will be brought to bear very soon on those rogue Republican governors. The system is very clever, you know. So enjoy it. Listen, Wes, I'm not trying to spoil your day now. Enjoy it, mate, you know. But they're going to have a go, you know. They're not just going to leave it slide, you know. Caroline says, Richie, we know there is a glitch in the system uh, that James Whale guy is a piece of arse, really. I love that, Caroline. A piece of arse. That's what he is. Now, my pal Peter said to me this afternoon that James Whale, who I believe is on in the evenings, apparently he is bullishly, there's that word again, I used it earlier, bullishly, asking listeners who are so-called anti-vaxxers to have the courage to take him on on his radio programme in the coming days. Now, dear listener, look, I don't want to be making any mischief. I, I don't want to be screwing up anybody else's radio programme. But if I were you, I would be... F- <laughs> You're a backstard, Richie. If I were you, I would be phoning Talk Radio. Hello, Talk Radio. Hi, this is James. I'd like to get on air with James Whale. I love James. Brilliant presenter. And what would you like to say? Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to say. I'm sick and tired of these anti-vaxxers putting us all at risk. Risking society. Why can't they just do their job for queen and country and have the job? I'm putting you right through. And then when you get through, go for Whale. Just go for him. I shouldn't say this, really. This is bad form, isn't it? Am I just as bad as him, am I? Am I just as bad as Whale by advising you to to, to sabotage his radio programme? Maybe I am. He wouldn't let me go on. Maybe you can go on in my place. You rock me, rock me on the desk. I'm a desk, I'm a desk. I'm a desk, I'm a desk. Falco, rock me, Amadeus, on the Richie Allen radio show. I should be right in the middle of a conversation with one of you good people. But I'm not. Because it's just gone tits up. I can't put it any other way. Well, I could have chosen to put it a more refined way, but I, I, I've got Tourette's. Do you think Tourette's might be, might be uh, one of those COVID things, you know? They've blamed COVID for every ailment ever known to humanity. Ingrown toenail, COVID, COVID, yes, COVID, definitely COVID. Got a big swollen toe, COVID, definitely COVID, it's COVID, it definitely is COVID, yes. I've got a boil on the top of my penis, it's COVID, it's definitely COVID. Added to the list of the things that COVID is causing, it's definitely COVID, yes. Waking up screaming, it's COVID, it's COVID, it's absolutely COVID, it's COVID. 
Tourette's might be the one. I've been accused of having Tourette's in the past, with good, with good reason, by the way. I'm not going to swear now, but Martin says to me, Richie, have you tried the echo test on Skype? Martin, I need you now, like a hole in the head. No, Martin, because I'm the dumbest mofo that ever lived. Of course I tried it. It's an intricate problem. I've tried the obvious things. You'll never hear radio like this again as long as you live. Most guys would have given up an hour ago and said, listen, I'll see you tomorrow. But I'm a pro. And I'm not going anywhere. Until seven o'clock. I'm staying. No retreat, no surrender. Martin, of course, I've tried the obvious. It's an intricate problem. It's a problem that will involve the dismantling of everything and putting it back together, you know. David says, sorry you've had the gremlins today, mate. Shit happens. Was hoping to join in with some Nicky Campbell stuff you've missed over the last year. Nicky is a complete K-nut. God, we had some laughs with Nicky Campbell this year, didn't we? We had some laughs, peachy-pers. I'm wondering. No. There was a time when I had some of this stuff really, you know, close to hand. By stuff, I mean jingles. By stuff, I mean jingles. Have a listen to this, you know. I suppose we could take a very brief trip down memory lane. You know, talking about the reporting of COVID. Let's take a, a trip back to May of 2020. Do that wavy thing now, like in the TV shows in the 70s and 80s, when they think back to something, that wavy thing where the picture goes all wavy. Let's listen to Eamon Holmes back when Eamon was a talk radio presenter in May of last year, talking about the media and COVID. This is a time of national emergency and um, as I know from myself at the start of all of this, you are not allowed to question uh, the narrative on, on, on such things. So there are restrictions on publications, there are restrictions on broadcasters, and there will be a lot of people saying that you are simply uh, rabble-rousing, you're creating panic uh, with all of this. Restrictions on broadcasters, denotices. Boris Johnson mentioned D-notices today when speaking to Nick Ferrari about state secrets because sometimes the government issues a D-notice to broadcasters and asks them not to report a certain story because it's not in the national interest to do so. Now, so early, early last year, Holmes gave the game away and said, there are restrictions on broadcasters. In other words, we, we can't tell you the truth that this is a load of bollocks. Again, not to put too fine a point on it. But speaking to, or speaking about Nicky Campbell, Nicky gave us the greatest moment of 2021 so far, didn't he? In his phone-in with the caller, Matthew, who's very unimpressed with those of us who have cho chosen even not to have a blooming jab. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And he put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. No. I had the vaccine, sent me to hospital. Had the second one, ended up in hospital again. But I'd rather have the vaccine than have COVID. And we should reserve hospital places. Not for those of us who haven't had the jab, but reserve hospital places for those who might have reactions to the jab. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? Never see the likes of that again. That's one I'll never delete. I'll, I'll be playing that till I'm 
Seven, I'll be here when I'm 75. Bald as a cue ball. With a few whiskers. And I'll be barely able to speak. And I'll be like, remember back in... I'll be like that. <laughs> remember? Of course, at that stage, there'll be no media then. There'll be no independent media. If this carries on. If this lunacy endures. And it's looking like it might. Dagnabbit. Hi to Joe Ferris. How you doing, Joe? Joe enjoyed the interviews last night, particularly the one with uh, Kate. Thanks, Joe. Richie, the people presenting themselves to the public as opposition to the lockdowns and the vaccine must use language that doesn't scare the majority of people. I teach martial arts, says Joe, and when new people are exposed to new information, I start with the basics and drop to their level of understanding in order to encourage them. There are four types of people. Uh, post-scam. One, those who know. Two, those who don't. Three, those who don't want to know. And four, those who have realised they have been conned. I was at the Belfast march. It was brilliant. But emotion and anger can take over and send the wrong message to those you want to reach out to. You see, Joe, you might have done a better job of introducing the segment with Kate last night because that is brilliantly put... That's my problem all along with people. And I said it to her last night. I said, my problem with people like you. I said, I don't hide behind impartiality. I'm not impartial. I had a specific point of view. Is that they are more likely to to repel the public when they behave in a certain way than they are to tap someone on the shoulder. The public sees that. You know, people talking about demons and depopulation. Now, you might say to me, ah, you're a proper old bastard now, Richie. You're asking people to censor themselves. No, I'm not. God, no, I'm not. I'm asking people to think about their audience. Not just the assembled masses, but think about the audience that might catch a glimpse of it on the Mail Online or on talk radio. Think of them. Because they are appalled by it. Any mention of Nuremberg and nurses and get off that bus. That's not going to lead to a place where those people say, Jesus, I think I'll have a bit more of that. I wonder what she's talking about. The instantaneous reaction is, these people are nut jobs. Now, they're not nut jobs. Hence my apology to the lady last night. And there are things that she would think or say that I would be in agreement with. But when you go down the other road of microchips in the brain and stuff like that, well, we can talk about those things from time to time because we know there are patents. We know that the technology exists. They want to introduce nanotechnology to the body and they want to sell it, as they always do, in that lovely, fluffy way. Do you know your Aunt uh, Mary there, Richie? You know your Aunt Mary, who uh, lost both her legs in a car crash? Well, Richie, we're going to inject her with some stuff and we're going to give her a new prosthetic leg and we're we're going to inject nanotechnology into the veins of her body All of this stuff is going to communicate, Richie, and she's going to be able to walk to bingo again. Who could say that's terrible? Or that's dreadful, or that's dangerous? None of us. That's what they do. Then, 
they, they take it further, put it in stuff to diagnose you, to administer medications to the source. All that stuff. So I'm not saying that this isn't stuff that is desired. I'm saying you go screaming that at people. No good. There's a guy who lives in Manchester and he listens to this programme. And he's known um, for winding people up. He listens to this programme and he listens to other programmes. Um, he'll know who he is. His name is Alan. And he pushes people away constantly. You know, people who are they're meeting out and about, you know, in the supermarket, in, in the park, and people are saying, Geez, I'm not sure about that job now. I think I had COVID, you know. I'm not sure about the necessity of it. Alan will jump in with Billy Gates and depopulation, 24-hour surveillance. The person is gone. Their eyes glaze over. They're gone. You've lost them forever. Don't self-censor. Box clever. In my local park, uh, the, the people I bump into, I think I've mentioned before, quite a number of them, until very recently, hadn't heard of the programme. I don't speak about the programme when I'm out and about. I do not introduce myself to people and, and reference my employment. Why would I do that? Nobody does that. Why would I do it? I've been asked by people, have you had the jab, Rich? No. Why? Because the bully gets... No, 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 forget about it. No, no, no. I say... I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait and see. Because I'm a bit worried that they've gotten it out there very quickly. And I read, and I always say in the Times, even though I might not have read it in, in the Times, I say, do you know what? I've read in the Times that they usually spread out the development of these jabs over five, sometimes ten years. I'm a bit concerned. I'm not certain we need it. And if they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, then I might drop in. And then I read, I'm playing a part here, right? Because I know this information, you know it. Then I say to them, some of these people, they were pushing a swine flu vaccine very hard back in the um, latter part of the last decade. You might remember that. Do you remember that, Mary? I kind of remember it, Richie. You might have read that some people ended up with sleeping sickness or narcolepsy. All right, yeah, yeah, Jesus. So I said, that's the only reason. I'm not having it. I wouldn't tell people what to do now, Mary. But I'm not going to have it. I'm going to wait and see. I might have it. I might have it next year. We'll see. Mary's eyes don't glaze over. She doesn't go home thinking he's cracked. Guy's off his blooming head. Now there's a very good chance that Mary will go home and get a vaccine anyway. But there's a minuscule, there's a small chance that she might think, do you know I was talking to a fella today, he seems fairly alright, he's a genial guy, this Irish guy Richie. And he just said that he's just going to hang back a bit and wait and see. Maybe I might do the same. Maybe I might do the same. That's why I don't like these rallies. You know, and some of the things that are said there by certain people. 
not by people I've been associated with or have, have, have had relationships with over the years, but other people that have come out of nowhere say mad things. And I think, why? Hence my comments about Kate and hence my right of reply last night where she did a fairly good job and was well able for the robust exchange. At least that's how I felt anyway. Take the softly, softly, catchy monkey approach with people. Or tell me to fuck off and you do your own thing. Either way works for me. This is Jamiroquai. Saw Jamiroquai at the arena about three years ago or two years ago. It was fantastic. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Neither did the uh, oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendito. She loved it as well. He came out, did Jamiroquai, and he was a tad, he was a tad rotund. He was a tad rotund. He was carrying a little bit of weight. Was the little bollocks. But he was absolutely brilliant. It was such a show. During the night, there was a major kickoff in the crowd. It was a full house at the arena. 23,000. And it was standing on the floor, no seats. And there was a major fight developed in the middle of the floor, which, thank God, uh, didn't affect us because we were in the stands near the stage. And it kicked off. And this really amused Jamiroquai, I remember. <laughs> Rather than being horrified by a major kickoff, he was laughing with the band. Little tear away. But it was a great show, that. What did he say? Pack it in, pack it in. He was just laughing. Major kickoff. Took the bouncers about seven minutes to get in and dragged the idiots out that started the fight, you know. Little boys and their booze. You see, an Irishman like me now, that could drink every one of you under the table, by the way. You, all of you, every one of you. And all of my guests, together. I'll take the Pepsi challenge with you, wimps, you weaklings, you shandy boys and shandy girls. I'll, I'll, I'll just own you. Pound. I'll miter you when it comes to the drinking. Because I'm Irish. It's in my DNA. It's what I do. No, it's not what I do. It's not what I do anymore. But yeah, they get drunk. And then they fight. And they ruin their nights. So you spent 100 quid on Jamiroquai, did you? What happened? You got chucked out after 20 minutes, yeah? Good man. Good man. Hi to John Pierce. Richie, it sounds like you're using the taming power of the small. Very philosophical. Thanks, John. It's an interesting way of putting it. It's experience, John. I used to be the guy when I first had my realisation that things were going on. I was that guy who bored people, where their eyes glazed over. And I quickly realised that I was imposing my will on them. And people don't like to have others impose their will on them. They don't like it. They don't like to be told the way things are. Even if you're telling them the truth. So the best thing to do is not to impose your will on them. And to tell them your little story, but without turning it on them. In my case, I'm just going to wait and see. You're not saying, you should wait and see, Mary. It's like, I'm just going to wait and see and see how we get on. And uh, they'll listen to you then, you know. they listen. Like I said, they might go and do it. They might go and get it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do? But you've not lost them. Next time you see them, they won't run away. You know, next time they see you 50 metres away in the park, they won't duck behind a mulberry bush. It's that bastard. That Irish guy's cracked. Run, Thomas, run! Get the dog. We don't want to be stuck with him for the next 20 minutes. 
You see, that's how I look at it anyway. Hi to Gail, whose son Liam recently recovered from a, a bike accident. We talked about this on Sunday Morning Melodies. Gail says, Richie, my Liam would have upset Nicky Campbell's caller by taking up a hospital bed after his accident on his bike and he hasn't had the jab either. <laughs> Gail says, I've also heard a new word for vaccine centres, jabatoires. Now, I didn't hear that until I read your email, Gail. Jabatoires. Jean Ann was telling me on the dog and bone yesterday that she's very amused by the moniker clot shots for the jabs, which a lot of younger folk are using. Clot shots. Very good. Blooming good. I like that. Yeah. Jean Murray has been in touch. Jean is in Ireland. She's been on the programme. How you doing, Jean? Hope all is well with you. Great to hear from you. I hope we'll hear you back on the programme in the very near future, Jean Murray. I'll have to find another way to reach out to you, Jean. It'll have to be through your blog because I'm not on Twitter anymore. Charlie Stevenson says, Richie, do you think the number of cases is falling so that they can say it's because the kids are out of school and push mandatory vaccines for the kids? It's a good question, Charlie. I don't know the answer. It's a good question. They are evil. They are sly, Charlie. You know, they are sly. Cases have dropped, they are telling us, for seven days straight. They're saying at the same time, don't get excited. Doesn't mean that the virus has gone away. The virus isn't going anywhere. The virus is still here. We're not, we're not all, nobody's safe until everybody's safe. Nobody's safe until everybody's safe. It's all very well if the virus is on the retreat here. But this is a multiple theatre war. The virus is on the rampage in India, in Spain. In France, it's on the rampage in Kuala Lumpur. And if people are going to hospital in Kuala Lumpur because of the virus, well, we've got to take very special precautions here. This is bullshit, you know. Obviously. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. Good question, Charlie. Really good question. Maybe. Maybe. There there are plans. We've seen the drafts. We've seen the drafts. To turn schools or at least rooms in schools, into vaccine centres in order, should the JCVI, the Joint Committee and Vac... Excuse me. The Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, JCVI. It provides the government with recommendations on who to jab and when, not just during COVID, but during everything. For the moment, the JCVI has said, vaccinate 12 to 18-year-olds if they are clinically vulnerable. If they're not, don't give them the jab. For now. But at the very beginning of this programme, before the programme went tits up, when I was sounding a bit more professional, we heard from Bharat Pankania, the witch doctor from Exeter University, and he's really annoyed that there hasn't been full rollout for the 12 to 18-year-olds. That, it is fair to say, is the plan, undoubtedly. So, will, what are we now? What are we now? We are at the 28th of July. There are five, six, six and a half weeks left in the summer holidays. There is plenty of time for the JCVI to change its mind and to say that every child in the country should be jabbed. And at that point... The draft plans to convert some areas of schools into vaccine centres may very well be implemented. Plenty of time. 
They're horrible bastards. But they're nothing if they're not predictable, Charlie. I think you would agree with me. They are nothing if they're not predictable. You know, children, nobody really needs any of these jobs because they don't do what jobs should do. They don't give you protection. They allegedly don't prevent you from spreading whatever this thing is. So that makes them redundant from the get-go. But we're back to softly, softly, catchy monkey. So if you're listening to this programme, here's my honest-to-God opinion. If you're listening to it for the first time, if you feel you have to have it, by all means, go and have it. But giving it to a child, this is where I abandon softly, softly, catchy monkey. I think giving it to a child is tantamount to child abuse. Because their admitted reasoning, their stated reasoning for jabbing children is to protect wider society, to protect the community. That's unethical. And it also goes against every medical principle. I've already said it's unethical. It goes against established medical practice. You don't ask party A to ingest a medicine on behalf of party B. You don't. Now, I know, you, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're going to shout at me and say, Richie, they've been doing that for years with the flu jab. I know, I know. They have. It was at that point that they abandoned the long-practiced and properly practiced, sorry, properly held opinion that you shouldn't ask somebody to take medical intervention on behalf of somebody else. Accepting kidney transplants. If your brother or sister, God love them, has a kidney issue, of course you'd give him a kidney, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Of course you would. I would. I'm not just saying that. If my missus or my family needed a kidney, of course you'd do it. I'd shit myself. Oh, be Jesus, would I shit myself. I might even try and run out of the hospital on the night in question. (laughs) But I'd come back. But we never, we never ask somebody to take an intervention on behalf of somebody else until, yes, you're right, you're right, I hear you, until they started saying, young people should have the flu jab so that they don't give flu to granny. But of course, the flu jabs have never worked. This isn't conjecture. Look it up. Look it up. You will find articles in all the papers, right wing and left wing. Every year they release a blooming flu jab. They later admit that it was the wrong one. And then when they're questioned on that, Asher be Jesus, there's loads of different types of flu. We just got it wrong this year, you know. They all speak like travellers, apparently. In the NHS. Oh, Christ. I've spoken enough. It's the worst radio programme I've done for years. But look, I hung on in, I hung on in there. After it all went belly up. I stayed with you to bore the be Jesus out of you. Hopefully, my engineer will sort it all out tomorrow and you'll be able to listen to Mark Windows great bloke, with me for an extended chat tomorrow on Thursday's programme. If my pal sorts it out, I hope he will. If not, we'll find something else to do. I'm going to love you and leave you with the Beatles. And, uh, hey Jude. Hey Jude. See you tomorrow. Don't make it bad.